Dear lady in the front row who gasped, I was staring right at you when I heard you. Some might not have heard you at all. Others would have called it a slight intake of breath, but I'm going to call it a gasp because it was important to me. You validated me as a writer. I was one of four performers at a storytelling event. You were probably there to see family or friends. That's the composition of the audience. Few people come in off the street. I was the last storyteller, so your job as a supportive friend was over. Others had left, but you were kind enough to stay for the entire program. I saw my friends and family in the audience, but you were a complete stranger to me, and that meant a lot. My coming-of-age story was reaching its climax. Abandoned in the middle of a lake, I had nothing but a frantic dog paddle to keep me afloat. I can't say I felt tension building in the audience, or that people were at the edge of their seat. I had no immediate feedback until I heard you. You see, I'm pursuing storytelling as an alternative to the against-all-odds world of publishing. I'm a writer, or at least I thought I was, until my MFA advisor told me I'd be labeled a hobbyist unless I got something published. At the same time, I got the message that publishing was a grim business with no pay. The workaround was to embrace rejection as the noble pursuit of a writer. A classmate asked if I wanted to join a competition to see who would be the first to get 100 rejection letters. The record was one year, which included the six-month lead time to get any response. Only dispassionate, impersonal rejection letters counted. Any letter that had the slightest whiff of encouragement, a closing line of, looking forward to hearing from you, or the giddy, but now vanishing, experience of a handwritten rejection letter with a coffee stain on it. Well, this was no rejection. This was quasi-acceptance. A faculty member got up and waved his ragged sheaf of ten years of rejection letters from the New Yorker. He was a successful, self-sustaining writer with his own Wikipedia page, but he seemed prouder of these rejections than acceptances. He wanted us to know that he was out there, aiming high and laying it on the line. Okay, I get it. I'm never going to win races I don't enter, but his locker room pep talk fell flat. I've experienced rejection, both social and professional, and have learned to accept it with grace and good humor, but it has never occurred to me to rebrand rejection as a success. Yes, I can send my work off into the abyss and wait for months as some bleary-eyed editor slogs her way through a towering slush pile. Even if I pass this first hurdle, I want more. I want direct feedback, not from forgiving family and friends, but from strangers who have no vested interest in me. Publication only guarantees that strangers will have access to my work. That is not enough. I needed my own workaround to the opaque layers of publication. Mark Twain became my mentor. His early platform was built on his public storytelling. He reveled in the audience feedback and used that to refine his literature. He moved between the two worlds, each leveraging the other. I joined a storytelling troupe and with trembling hands looked into the eyes of my audience beyond familiar faces to my target audience of strangers. I looked for drooping eyelids, slumping shoulders, heads in hands, and was gratified to see none. I happened to look down at you when I reached the climax of the story. You gasped. I had you. You thought I was about to drown, didn't you? You made me a writer and a storyteller. 
With great appreciation and immeasurable thanks, Liza Blue.